Good morning, Shore Church. Uh, it's not uncommon for us in our home to uh, hear a stranger's voice in the backyard. It's not uncommon because uh, our son Joseph is uh, literally the most undiscerning, friendliest human being I have ever met. Like he is so strangely undiscerning and friendly uh, that he will like go up to mostly women uh, and he will hug them. They won't even know that he is going to hug them. He will just hug them. Uh, and so like we'll hear voices often as kids. One time it was like a deep voice. I was like, oh, I think Joey invited someone in. This is sketchy. But luckily the man was on the other side of the fence. They were just having a conversation. Um, but uh, last two weeks ago in the pool, He's got swimming lessons, so they're in the hot tub. He plunged himself into another mom's arms. She got, I was watching it, it was really funny. She got so weirded out that she was like this and like looking around. And then I was like, hi, I'm his parent, I'm really sorry. And she's like, oh my goodness, I was so scared that his parent would think something was going on here. And I'm like, no, he, this is normal for this. Um, and, and it, you know, he's, he's, he's the kind of guy that lets everyone in. He is so in the name of love. He just wants to let everyone in. He would invite anyone and everyone into his life. He would, the guy, if someone pulled up into a van and this, we pray, we have to watch him the most. He would just get in and go, where are we going? Like he is just, he would let anyone and everyone in. Um, and so my question to us this morning, as we get into our passage is, is that you spiritually? Okay, is that you spiritually? To, to set up where we're going this morning, I'm gonna ask you a few questions. Um, and then I'm gonna ask you to be really vulnerable before we get into the text. But here's, here's a few questions. When was the last time you read a post, heard a preacher, a friend, even a family member say something uh, very spiritual, maybe it even mentioned God in it, uh, but you sensed as they were sharing it as you read it or you heard it, man, something doesn't seem right. Like something doesn't seem like biblical. It just, it doesn't, you, you kind of had this hesitation. You were like, something's not pure in this, in this message. Um, how many of you, you, you've, you've been there. Others of you, you're more like Joseph and not in a patronizing way, but just in, a, in the posture and position of your heart. Um, but you, you're, you're totally different. How many of you, you love anything that has any kind of sound that's spiritual positive, right? You're the person, who, you know, you're reading something, it mentions God, you're open. If it's inspiring or insightful or new, you're going like, yes, that sounds really cool, right? Maybe you follow people on Instagram and it's all about this kind of spiritual advice and this enlightenment. And you're like, yes, heart, heart, heart. This is so good. I don't even know, but I love it. I love everything. How many of you, that's you, okay? Here's another question. How many of you have ever experienced uh, someone come up to you and say, hey, God, God spoke to me and I wanted to share this with you. But when they shared it with you, it seemed like they were awakening in you what felt like something that was just not a good desire, whether it was pride or just a wrong heart or attitude. Um, more than that, what they shared with you put this weight on you and it, it didn't feel like it was gonna get you to Jesus. It didn't feel like it encouraged you to the truth of Jesus, to the holiness of Jesus, to the mercy of Jesus. And it just kind of freaked you out because you're like, you know, what if they said it was from God, okay? Here's another question. It's gonna go a little deeper. How many of you, morning, 
um, experienced it where, 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 I mean, you hear voices. I mean, you seriously, you hear a voice. Maybe it comes to you in your mind. It almost feels audible. And it's saying to you, you need to pursue this desire. Or you've heard a voice criticizing and condemning God's people. They're judgmental. They're not helpful. They're stifling. Um, Even more destructively, you've heard things like, if they loved you, they would have blank. Or you've even heard, you need to do this to yourself. You need to harm yourself. You need to abuse yourself. You need to... How many of you, you, you hear voices and it's, it's so heavy at times that it's so confusing because you're like, is this from God? Like the, the message you hear, the things that come into your mind could be spiritual and, and your experience is, I don't, I'm not sure what to do with it. And so you just suppress it or you just ignore it. Last question, what's your experience with those in the church? Maybe it's on social media, in regards to Christians who are into spiritual yoga, into rocks, into you know their horoscopes, and they've kind of blended all of that in with their faith in Jesus. And when you're around them, you feel uneasy. When you're doing it yourself, you feel strange about it, but it pulls on you. There's something good that you, you feel powerful in and around you. Okay, so I'm gonna be vulnerable here. Um, actually, let me say this. If you're not a Christian, I'm really glad you're here. This is gonna be very helpful and intriguing. And so I'd like to have a conversation with you after, if that's you, where you can ask questions and kind of dig into it. But let me begin by saying, The Bible teaches that there's more evil than the human being, than the things that we hate about, the kind of things that human beings can do to one another. The Bible does teach that there's uh, more to evil than natural. The Bible teaches there's an evil in us and outside of us and above us. The Bible teaches there's both natural and supernatural evil. The Bible teaches us evil has transcendent dimensions. And if you don't admit that or you don't see that, you will run into tremendous problems. You'll you'll hit all these, all sorts of issues because you need to do something with what I'm gonna be preaching on today. You need to be able to answer some of this stuff, even if, because you're a human being, you may not believe what the Bible says, but, but I'd love to talk to you. Okay, so here's what I'm gonna ask you to be vulnerable. Um, If you had a yes answer to one of those questions, I, will you stand? Now, when I say yes, that you do hear voices, you have experiences with rocks and other things that you've added into your spirituality, or you have uh, that, that discernment intuition where you can discern if a message is really from God or it's not. Okay, I want you to stand. If that's you, will you stand? Because what I need to do is I need to pray for you specifically that God would unveil and remove from you the lies and the errors and the false spirits that have been over you. I need to pray for you specifically because you will hear opposition today and I need to cover you with 
God, the Holy Spirit, and I really believe that he has something he wants to do miraculously for you in this area. So I appreciate you standing. Let me pray for you and then we'll get into the text. And you can stand as I pray as you, as you feel led. Father, I just thank you that you're here and that you love us and that you are with us and you are already at work by your spirit in us being in this room and us being ready to hear from your word, which is truth, which leads us to Christ and his authority and his power through, through who he is as God, but what he's done to defeat Satan's sin, death, and Holy Spirit, you're here and you're in us and greater is he who's in us than he was in the world. And I wanna just pray that as we go through this text, that Holy Spirit, you would, you would speak healing, you would speak revealing, you would show us lies that we've been, but we have been believing for so long. You would show us false spirits that we have allowed into our lives that you are saying, this is not gonna be here anymore. And I pray you would, Lord, where there are false spirits that you would, by your, by your word, uh, ask them to leave. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you. Well, you may be seated. All right, so let's plunge into this. You're like, where is this sermon going? This is crazy. All right, 1 John 4. Let's read it. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, is now in the world today. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he was in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. All right, so we're gonna look at two uh, navigating principles for testing error and false demonic spirits. So two principles in this passage the Bible gives us on how to uh, test for error in a message, error that has spirits behind it, the spirit of the world in it, and demonic spirits present. So here they are. Number one, we're gonna learn this, test the source. Second, know and take hold of the Holy Spirit. So, so the two principles are know the source, don't we can test the source and then know and take hold of the Holy Spirit, okay? So let's start with the first one, test the source. Let me, let me place this rightly in context. John has been writing to a church that has had massive disunity. People were leaving the church because they were saying there's a different set of beliefs that we can have about Jesus that allows us to live out our desires. The culture is saying that this is okay. We wanna leave. Not only were people leaving the church, which is really confusing, they were leaving in the name of love. They were, they were leaving because they were like, this is what's more loving. Like we don't really need the authority of John or the apostles. We have the new spirit where we can do 
other things. And worse than that, they were also leaving with a lot of hate and anger towards the believers. There was dysfunction in the church. People were starting to not have resources. And so John's writing to a church that's just in a mess because it's so confusing. They're like, why are people leaving the church? And, and, and they hate us now. And they have this all new way of living. And listen, they're saying that this is the spirit of God told them that they can do this. And so they're like, ah, how do we know what a Christian is, all of this? And John is just saying, here's how you can be reassured. And he's, oh, we've been, if you've been with us, and many of you have, uh, and if you haven't, you're like, this is really interesting. Listen to the last few sermons, they'll be helpful because we're only gonna be in this passage. Um, but that's kind of what's going on. So he's gonna say, basically, don't invite everyone into your house. So here's how he says it again. Look at, look at verse one. Beloved, you're loved by God. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. This word believe is an imperative. It's, it's the command. It's, it's this is where we're active, where we're obedient. So he's saying, don't accept immediately a spirit, either whether it's your friend's experience or you know, what they got out of meditation that day, or a friend says, I have a word for you, or you're reading an article on social media. It doesn't seem right, but a Christian wrote it. He's like, just don't, don't believe, or just be naive and go, hmm, I'll, I'll believe that now. He says, don't, do not believe every spirit. And, and for some of you, maybe it's a crippling feeling of shame and guilt or a constant accusation. Revelation says that the spirits accuse the saints night and day. Um, maybe, maybe others of you, it's a, it's a spirit of greed where it's, it's you're okay to purchase this thing. You're okay to enjoy life in this way. Uh, you're, you're okay to use this business practice in this way. And, and you're, you're, you're wondering like, oh, I don't know if this is, you know, I see another Christian doing it or I read this book about it or this article. He said, just don't believe every spirit. You don't just take everything in. Okay, so let me ask you this early, and I kind of already did, but what spiritually are you engaging with and accepting just without testing? It's just good for us because we're here to apply the word. What, what is that? Now, immediately, some of you might feel pushback because if there's a spirit that's gripped your heart, or a lifestyle choice you've made. Maybe some of you are deep into uh, spiritual practices, horoscopes, crystals, a certain author, some sexual activity. Um, maybe it's a, it's a kind of success and you're used to it, or it's a place you go for pleasure. Right now, you'll hate what I'm saying. You'll hate it. And that's okay, you need to say, that's okay, this is weird, but you need to confront that. So, so follow me here because he's not gonna leave us to these weird feelings because God wants to minister in that and give you light because God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. And he wants to give you light, he wants to help you, he loves you, he's such a good dad. So what are you supposed to do? Well, he's like, know your love, beloved, do not believe every spirit. Here's the second imperative, test. Test the spirits. This is very important, okay? Very important. Test the spirits to see, what are you looking for? Whether they are from God. Which means they will, 
They will, you won't know if it's from God, but it won't be like, you know, evil, like in the sense of like the ring, you know, like they're not going to crawl out and just be like, rah, 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 rah. you're not gonna be like, that's a false one. Don't believe that. Like, it's going to be, you want to know, is it close enough? Is it, is it from God? You want to test it. This word test, it means to scrutinize too. Listen, listen. Um, assess critically in minute detail. Why? For what purpose? Again, you need to know, is this from God? Is this from God? There's no neutral spirits. The source matters. You need to ask, is what my friends advice to me when I, and what I felt in that moment, is that from God? Some of these are obvious, but some of them are not. Is this voice saying your wife will never make you happy, you're not in love, is that from God? Is, is the sentences you hear like you're of no value? Would Jesus say that? You need to ask, what's the source? When someone gives you a word from God, which is a blessing, we're really excited. In the new year, we're talking about the spiritual gifts and that's the gift of prophecy. And I'm really grateful for those who have this gift in our church, but the responsibility is to test it, not despise, but to test, is this from God? Is this from the Holy Spirit? What's the source? So how do we do this? Well, he answers it for us in verse two. By this, you know, the spirit of God. So every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Okay, remember, the spirit of the Antichrist, as Josh preached it really well, is a spirit that says Jesus is not who the Bible says he is. So, so any teaching or any word or ideology or, or spirit message that has a way of living that says you do not need to deal with Jesus as an authority, as God in your life, is not from God. It's a false spirit. So, so they were saying Jesus isn't really who we're, really who God is going to judge the world by. Jesus was not really God come to rescue, but to free you and die. They'll say things like sin is not what Jesus came to destroy. In fact, Jesus wasn't about wrath, absorbing love, but about giving us a new ethic. And sure, church, this is really important. He says, we must test what's being said by the gold standard, not of human experience or opinion, but of sound Christology. Christology is the study of the true nature and person of Jesus. You test something is true if it leads to the truths of Jesus as God has revealed those truths in the Bible. Meaning the truths of Jesus as God himself coming in human form as the promised Messiah who is Lord and whom we exist for meaning the Jews had an entire worldview, the whole Old Testament, that God would, would send the Christ who would come and rescue his people. And Jesus is saying, I am he, God in the flesh, to rescue a people. So hear me on this. Evil begins... Oh, let me, let me, let me say it this way. 
Evil beings have the power to affect our relationship with God if we are ill-equipped to engage with them, if we're ill-equipped to discern their errors in the world and their lies that look very spiritual good, spiritually good, that, that lead us nowhere to the person of the work of Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna hit pause in this sermon. I will pick up that point in one second because I wanna take you to some other passages and teach you more about this, okay? Okay, so we pause that idea and we will unpause it. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Paul's also confronting false teaching coming within the church. So here's what he says. Such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder for even Satan disguised himself as an angel of life. So here's what he's saying. God is light. God is the ultimate source of, of joy, of love, of community. He's Trinity, he's eternally loving. Any happiness and pleasure and security, what we love when we love the beauty of something is an echo, a shadow of ultimately God. What God is like, he's, he's glorious, he's majestic. There's words that describe what I'm trying to say in the Bible that, that is just so beautiful. But what Satan does is he capitalizes on our love for the light in order to deceive. So Satan and demons, what they wanna do is they wanna take good things and gut them of God. That is, they want us to think this pleasure, this false business practice, this new girl at the office, this sexual struggle, this pull is in fact a correct version of you. And the message is your center. You can save when you're down. What matters is you get you up. You need to free you. You're, the problem is, is you're, you, you're, you've trapped you. And so it's this, it's this pursuit of light and acceptance and, and tolerance and autonomy. It's, it's, it's so hard to discern, but it's be your own God. And without Jesus, there's no need of a savior at the center. You don't need to understand God. He's not really reigning and ruling. You won't be accountable to him. If it feels good, then it must be something that God is okay with because God is good. And let, let me say, if I said to you this, if I said to you, I am broken sexually, which I am, and I know my desires are not always for my wife, and I have some perverted desires in me, and I know God's calling for me is not to embrace those, but to obey and trust Jesus' love, his word and authority for my sexuality, my, my good, which is really hard, but I know it's for my flourishing that I know is in his word. How would you respond to me? Like how, how would, what would you say to that? Like if I said to you, this pull is so intense, like it, it feels so good to see these other things that I wanna see, but it's not towards the Bible or, or what the Bible says is good and what Jesus says marriage is to represent. Does that matter? Like what would your counsel you? Would you start with, well, are you happy? 
or something you read on Instagram, how would you respond to me saying that as sinners, all desires are disordered? So it's actually the case that all of us are fallen and broken, to use this example, in our sexuality. For most, the fallenness will be manifest in opposite sex direction, but for some, it will be seen in same-sex attraction. What would the majority of people on social media say to that? Like, do you see what I mean? Like, we, we have to talk about these things in love with love for people, the gospel and God. And please hear me on this. If you're here and the only sexual desires and feelings you've ever experienced are towards those of the same gender, God's crazy about you. He loves you. The gospel has nothing to do with our performance and our acceptance based on us. And his heart is your best. And I want you to know that you can be here. You can talk about it and be okay with coming to one another and going, okay, I really, really wanna hear what Jesus has for me in this. And what is he calling me to obey and trust him in? And it would be the same advice for the person who is like me in heterosexual brokenness. What does his word say for me in this? Now, my point in getting specific here is, is to say, church, we have to live in this spiritual warfare where, listen, listen, what's behind the real people we love is the influence of real evil. And that evil will look loving. The Bible describes evil in Romans 1.18 as ungodliness, which means an anti-God attitude. It's a posture that, self, that sets itself above God without God. So any message that looks loving, but steers people away from him, who is their happiness, steers them away from their need of Jesus as fully God for them to redeem them or pay their debt is not a good light. And for some of us in this room, it's greed. It's, it's this feels good, more money feels safe. Jesus talks about money more than anything else in the Bible. And we just live with this okay spirit of we can spend on us when God might be saying, you're robbing me and what I wanna do with your resources. And if that's you, God's crazy about you. See, the enemy will not, again, come out like the ring he will come out and like you looking at other people in the world and going, that looks like something I can have. Anyone who's not confessing Jesus is God's king, which means he has the authority over my money, my identity, my life. He's Lord. I want to love him. I want to worship him. Is not from God. Okay. Second Corinthians 11. Here's another one. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus, so they're preaching a Jesus. This is not just like, like a satanic cult. 
They're preaching a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached. Or if you receive a different spirit from the, from the, the Holy Spirit you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. So if the spirit of something isn't running and rushing with the gospel truth as revealed in the scriptures with Jesus as Lord, with his blood being God's power, Jesus' love and life and forgiveness and his truths being where, where your life is and your, your, your hope is found, it's not from God. Jesus came to reveal God. He came to be for us the answer to our problem. And it's real and it's truth and it's doctrine. And it's, it's not just one view here. Jesus is the only way. There's only one God and his name is Jesus Christ. In 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Paul says, so then brothers, speaking to the church, brothers and sisters, stand firm and, and hold to the traditions that were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. John said the same thing in verse five. John says this, he says, they will know it because they will obey. You will know if you have the spirit because the spirit will, you will hear my message and it will be confirming to you that you're hearing from God. So the early church's standard for testing Truth was the apostolic traditions taught to them by Paul in regards to the gospel in this passage about the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. For us today, that's the Bible. So Jesus in the wilderness, he tested Satan's words against the rest of scripture. And he exposed how he was, Satan was misapplying texts. In 2 Corinthians 10, Paul says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against, what does he say? The knowledge of God. And we take, we test every thought captive to obey Christ. I wanna obey Christ at the end of this message. So all spirits, all the voices we hear or messages that we listen to or read of the world are to be tested with, is it biblical? In this, in, in, is, it, is, it, is it in connection and conformity to scripture, specifically in regards to who God is and what he's done through Jesus, who is Lord? And if it's building up and it's, it, it's full of God's word and it leads you to repentance, to worship Jesus more in your life, you probably know it's from God. If it's, if it's from the word of God. See, the first thing Satan will do is he'll start with what he did with Adam and Eve. And the question he gave Adam and Eve is to doubt is what God said, his words and what God's done, what he's done good and is it true? So we test, we examine in this message, this, is there a lie? This, this Instagram, even if it's by another Christian, does it lead me towards godliness? Does it lead me towards trusting him? Do I feel closer to Jesus? Am I trusting 
And, and am I throwing myself at the mercy of Christ in this? Do I, do I feel the Holy Spirit in me going, this is the love of God for you. And, and you just, you want to follow him. You just feel like pure. You just get excited because you're like, oh my goodness, I love Christ. I need Christ. I just want to feast on his word. It's in me. You test people by their view of Christ and how they live. What's the spirit producing? Now you got to remember, we said this last week really clear. This is never an us versus them thing. This is never, God's never ever wanted to produce spiritually proud people, but people who are humbly loving others, loving his word. And John's pastoring this church, giving them a help to discern is this from God? Does this lead you to the person and work of Jesus Christ? And if it doesn't love them, go to them, talk to them, reason with them. Paul's like, if you can't read your New Testament letter without them, them addressing false prophets in the church who are saying Jesus is not who, who he claimed to be and who the apostles he had set up to preach the gospel said he was. Test the source. which leads us to the second principle for testing errors and false spirits. Know and take hold of the Holy Spirit. So he says, he says, know the spirit in you is greater than the spirits pulling outside of you. Listen to, what, listen to how he says in verse four, little children, he says, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he was in the world. He who is in you is greater than he was in the world. Now, this is awesome. No, notice what he's saying. And this is for us this morning. He says, you are from God. You need to hear that again. You are from God and have, that, that word have is Greek, perfect tense, meaning it's, it's, it was yours as a, as a past victory and it continues in the present. He said, you are from God and have overcome them. For he was in you is greater than he was in the world. God's spirit in you is more powerful than all the ones in the world combined. Do you believe that? Like the Holy Spirit in you is more powerful than all the spirits that are, exist in this world combined. John's passionately, here's what he's doing. He is passionately. Now remember John, it really matters what source you're listening to. John is a guy who spent time with Jesus. He, he was rebuked by Jesus. He saw Jesus work miracles. He spent time with Jesus. He knows Jesus. If anyone can give us an authority on Jesus's life, it's John, his best friend, who was there when Jesus rose from death. So when we're listening to Pastor John, we need to be like, oh my goodness, this is a guy who knows Jesus, spent time with Jesus. And if Jesus really was this, he would know. So, so John's affirming and reassuring and encouraging those who stayed to Jesus, to the doctrine and devotion of the person and work of Christ, who, who've said, he's how I'm getting in. His word is what I want. He says, you're from God. You've overcome. 
You're spiritual. You, you, you have the spirit in you. You're anointed. Don't think you're not. That's the point. Don't think you're not. And so what's the source to your power and to the, the secret to this victory? And this is very important because we need to know this. You cannot leave this theater without having this impressed in your spirit by the Holy Spirit because this will br bring profound power in your life. And here it is. We may not necessarily be more intelligent or more skilled than false prophets behind the messages that are in this culture, in our lives and in the studios and all the places that we will go. We will not even be more powerful than the demonic. But hear me, we are possessed and indwelt by the one who is. The Holy Spirit. God has planted his truth in you He's planted his spirit in you as a resident teacher. As one put it, you are impervious in one sense from fatal error. You can be led astray on some issues, but not concerning the truth of the gospel. You possess God's life. You possess God's spirit. Like you have the Holy Spirit. This is exciting. He wants them to know this, that the things that they're holding fast to are already the Holy Spirit working in them to do that. You've overcome them. Okay, so let's chat about this because we're gonna close here. I wanna bring this together because we have incredible power in us. And I wanna show you this and what to do with this power. So <clears throat> Luke 9 and 10, Jesus addresses the power available in Christ over evil beings. So is it already up there? So ready? Here it is. Luke 9, we read this. <clears throat> and he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So that's, he grabs the 12. And then in Luke 10, Jesus sends out more of the disciples. So this is, this is I'm showing you both of these because some people will say, um, well, you know what? Maybe this was just for a specific time or it was just for the 12. Only the 12 got this power and authority over and against evil beings. But after this, it's more than just the 12. In Luke 10, verse one, he says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Why is that important? Again, the 72 will come back. Later, and in verse 17, you'll be on the screen as well. We read this, the 72 returned with joy, saying like, Lord, this is crazy. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus goes on in verse 19 says, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Those are ancient demonic, manifestations, symbols for the spiritual realm and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. So let's talk here. What is authority? What do you mean? 
Authority is the right and power to act and speak as if Jesus himself were present. So this is what you have. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build you up, men and women of the shore church, in a real spiritual battle that you're in. Authority is the right and power to act and speak as if Jesus himself were present. Authority simply means delegated power. So he says, he who is in you is greater the spirit of Christ is greater in authority and power. He's present with us by his spirit. Jesus is in us and his power and authority have been entrusted to you. So let me put it this way. Spiritual warfare is not a horizontal tug of war, but a vertical chain of command. Are you with me on that? In other words, we must never envision ourselves as operating on a level playing field with Satan and his demons in Christ and on the basis of who we are in Jesus and in light of the authority of the risen Lord that has been e-transferred to us by the spirit. So we are now have the spirit of Christ in us. Satan and his demons are a defeated lot. Don't ever think of yourself, although it feels like this, don't ever think of yourself as at one end of the rope and Satan's at the other and you're kind of struggling to overpower the other. No. You are in Christ who is over all. Satan is beneath you in Jesus' name. Which is why Jesus says back in Luke 20, when the 72 show up again, this won't be out there, but I'll read it to you. He says, he says this, like he's like in power. You guys don't even, so he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. He says that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Like he's just like, in comparison to being saved, I mean, to have the spirit in you, the, that authority is nothing to be excited about. I mean, you just have that. The spirit in you is so amazing. So rejoice, not in that, but you, got, you have God. John says in verse six, we are from God. Back to our text, if you have it open, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, someone may ask, that's awesome. And I know one day will be, but why all this evil and warfare? Like this week, I got to see one of our saints scream out at the horrific, destructive evil that really hurts and kills people and get angry. And it was beautiful anger. And it was a cry out to God because she had found one of her family members committed suicide. That same night, our neighbor across the street did the same thing. Evil. Why? If he's greater in the spirit in us, is more powerful than every demon and Satan combined, is there this war? Well, I'm sure he stops more than we know. But why not just end it? 
I mean, it, it just feels like, is he just spectating it all? The answer is no. I mean, Satan came to God to affect Job. Satan knows his limits. Jesus tells Peter, Satan, Jesus, listen, Jesus tells Peter, Satan demanded to me to allow, to sift you like wheat. And through it, God was glorified and the church was birthed. So everything God allows, which will not make sense to me, and it will not make sense to us, because we are not God, and we're not going to see it from the Godness of God and eternity and his purposes. But God, as revealed in the scriptures, is not passive, but active. The greatest evil that has ever occurred in human history was the killing of the Son of God. And in that moment, the greatest salvation, the greatest healing, the greatest miracle of anything good for our eternity forever came about. So from Genesis, when you get Joseph, the whole, why that first century letter was written, what man meant for evil, God meant for good, is gonna show us there's a power and a purpose way beyond anything we can ever imagine that is active in everything. His permission of them is in his above all perspective as God, working out purposes for his glory. That is the Bible's answer. It does not give you specific answers, but the cross is the perfect example. But here's what one group of theologians using Augustine, the way they put it. This will be on the screen. For, for although sins are evil and accordingly cannot be provided by God, nevertheless, the permission of them is good. So then God both wills and directly decrees the permission and ordains it for some good purpose that is greater than that which, of which the absence is the evil that is permitted. For since God is good to the highest degree, he would not in no way permit there to be anything evil in his workings unless he were not as almighty that even concerning evil, he would still do good. Like, like God leaves nothing to chance. Isaiah 46.10 says, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. When I get attacked, man, I war with Jesus in a way that I, I can feel his power and hate of what's happening as I'm clinging to the gospel, and listen, I don't doubt for a second God was off the clock, allowing or purposing or using this to continue the work he's coming to do, which is defeating Satan by his power, ultimately. I mean, J.I. Packer says, when, when God increases, so does the enemy. If you read your Bible in the book of Acts, anytime the church advances, so does the enemy. 
because he has been defeated. When we studied the book of Revelation, it was this cycle of evil coming about because his day is coming to an end and an eternity that might be short for God right now for us. It is horrible and it's hard, but is God working? Is God in control? Is God more powerful? Is the spirit in us way more powerful than every demon combined? Yes. Will you know why that evil happened? Not all the time, but will anything separate you from the love of God? No, no principality, no spirit. Romans eight, God is working all things for the good and the glory of his name. And in 30,000 year on this new heaven and new earth, you'll go, wow. Wow, like what power. Interesting, Jesus, the way he lived his life, he lived it in connection with the Father. He only did what he saw the Father doing. And in that way, he showed us how to live the human life. Because here's the question, did Jesus cast out every demon? Did he heal every sick person? He healed so many, he cast out so many. But he did as the Father was telling him to do. And you have now in you the spirit of Christ who raised Jesus from the dead. All right. Test the source and no one take hold of the Holy Spirit. Will you stand with me as we respond? Jesus tells his disciples before he went to the cross, in this world, you will have tribulation. But he says, take heart for I've overcome the world. That's the power of God. And so when you are ready, I don't know what you were going through this morning or what God was so deeply loving you in by showing you this practice you're doing, this community you're a part of needs to be tested. But my question to you is where are you with God this morning? Like when you hear the words of John, do you want to listen? Like are you... Do you want to obey? Do you want to stay in crazy love of Jesus? Because I, you know, the best, one of my favorite lines when I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through is one of the disciples looks at Jesus and they say, like, where else are we going to go? Like, you alone have the words of eternal life. Like, we, we, this is, where else am I going to go? And, and it's okay to wrestle with God. Like, it's okay for you to go, I don't understand this evil. 
when you come and take communion, I want you to think about the cross. Like not, not briefly, but like what happened there? What was he doing there? What has he done in your life? Because you can connect the dots of great mercy, great redemption, great joy, and great love. And you have the Holy Spirit in you confirming Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is Christ. He is who I want. And I can't wait to sing about him. Let me ask you this. Do you have a hunger for Christology? Like, do you read books about Christ and doctrine and the incarnation? Like, do you want to know this truth that holds people who die at the stake to translate the Bible so that it can come into common people's hands because when they read the word, they read truth? Like, like is that in you? Are you, are you in the word of God? Like, do you love the scriptures? By the way, the enemy will want to stop you from reading the Bible. You will feel this spiritual magnetic like, uh, and you'll go, that's weird because I just read this book and that wasn't the case. Push against that. Ask in Jesus' name, whatever's keeping me from reading the word, will you remove it and will you speak to me, Holy Spirit? Thank you that you're in me. Help me to love my Savior, Jesus. And then read it. Are you testing every spirit? Because the Bible says to. Maybe you haven't tested anything and you're just not obeying the Bible. So maybe you got to go, okay, I'm going to do this this week. What, what spiritualities will I be around? What messages will I read? Some of you read messages all day long on your phone. Test. Is something or someone else ruling your decisions or is Jesus ruling them? That's how you know if he's Lord. Who's ruling your decisions? When you go to make a decision with your money, with your life, with your time, is Jesus in account? Is he Lord of it? If not, you're missing out because there's great profound joy in making Jesus Lord. Like you're just missing out. You're not like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Like you're just missing out on God and his love for you. Listen, listen, what demonic accusations are you hearing? Because they're lies. They're not even true. What demonic spirits are aggravating or intensing a sin you struggle in? Or an unbelief you keep having? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And Satan and demons do not want you to feel that truth. So in Jesus' name, I just command that to go. Are you allowing him to cripple you with feelings of shame and guilt that blind you to the liberating grace of Jesus? You're not good enough. You didn't read enough. See the sermon. You're not, you don't test anything. You couldn't be a Christian. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You come and you take communion because the cross wasn't about your works. You're celebrated and finished in Jesus' blood for you. So in Jesus' name, I want you to confess Jesus is Lord when you take communion today. Out loud. So there'll be people up here and I want you to say Jesus is Lord. 
and you take communion, declaring he's Lord of your life. And some of you might be healed, but do that and take hold of the Holy Spirit. So come when you're ready.